Hello, welcome to Flower Butter X Sugar. That was extra chefy, wasn't it? Um, it's really lovely that you have listened in today. And this episode is going to have a really nice interview with my friend Zaf, um, who's going to be talking about moving to from London to New York and the differences in food culture that she's noticed, as well as how she uh, photographs food because her kind of like food photography is amazing. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, but before we get into that, um, and there's going to be a really just like a very quick what I've been up to um, because it's it's a really good interview um, t- that I want to get into pretty soon. So we'll do a quick what I've been up to and then we will get into the interview. Let's go. So, well, what have I been up to in terms of baking and food? I've been cooking, baking quite a lot of chocolate cake, and that's going to be probably next time's episode. So I'm thinking from now on, I'm going to be kind of like alternating um, because I still do really like trying out recipes and talking to you about them. So I think what I'll be doing is um, every other episode, I'll have an interview and then on the alternate episodes, I'll be talking about um, a particular bake that I've been up, I've been sort of t- testing out and trying out. So I think that's what kind of form the future episodes are going to be take. I hope that's okay. I mean, obviously, you can just listen to whichever you want to. If you prefer listening to the interviews, just listen to those. That's fine. Um, if you like listening to me talking about particular bakes that I've been trying, then then obviously listen in um, to those. Yes, I've been testing various chocolate cakes out. I'm going to do a bit of a chocolate cake bonanza next episode. I also tried to make a lemon meringue pie um, with kind of mixed success. Like I made the mistake of baking it after it had already been blind baked. And because of the type of filling I was using, that went too liquidy. So um, the bottom was very soggy. Um, But the curd was delicious. Um, and the cut, and it's not the fault of the recipe. It's entirely my own fault for going off course. Um, so yeah, that the curd recipe is from Erin uh, Jean McDowell's book, The Book on Pies, um, which yeah, I've been really enjoying, and I highly recommend. Then, in terms of like non, well, cooking rather than baking, like savory and stuff. Um, still loving my roasting tin books as always. Love Rook Mini Aya, she's amazing. Um, a friend very kindly passed on her Nigel Slater um, Green Feast books because she wasn't really using them very much. And so I've been really enjoying leafing through those. Obviously, I'm kind of like focusing on the spring summer one, because if you weren't aware, there's a spring summer one and an autumn veg, autumn veg, autumn winter one. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing the summer summary recipes at the moment. <clears throat> and then when it gets into like when the seasons change, I'll be I'll be moving on to the next one. Um, yeah, so I've been trying that out, and you can see some of the results of that on my Instagram, which is uh, Kate Liz Baking. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. And without any further ado, I really want to get into this really interesting interview with Zaf. So 
let's listen. Welcome to the podcast, Saf. Um, it's really lovely to talk to you. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because, uh, well, you're obviously really into food like me and cooking. Um, we, we've known each other for a while, like we used to work together, um, mm-hmm. for those of you that are listening. Um, and Zaf, when did you move? Was it like a year or two ago? I can't remember. Oh, it was, it was uh, October 2019. It's been nearly oh, two oh. years now. Yeah. In the, in the before <laughs> times. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Zaf moved to New York um, nearly two years ago. And I am quite jealous, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like other than London, there's a few places that I'd quite like to live. Like I'd quite like to live in Rome. And they're all big cities, obviously. Um, and yeah. Paris. And I'd quite like to live in New York one day. So all places with great food. Yeah. So the plan is make my French better, learn Italian, and then do want to move to some somewhere maybe. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So how have you been finding it? I mean, it's been weird because, like I said, you know, moved over October two thousand and nineteen. But like you said, it was the before time. Here for four months before it all went down. So that, you know, it just felt like a very long extended holiday. And then it was 18 months of being in the apartment and not really experiencing New York. And Mm. now, you know, it's only in the last maybe two months, month and a half that I started to feel like, oh yeah, I live here now. You know, I've got friends here now. I go out. I'm starting to experience the place. I'm starting to go see, you know, tourist stuff, which people expected me to do, you know. 18 months ago so it's been strange but I'm I'm really enjoying New York I just think it's a really interesting and friendly place like I think there's this uh stereotype of New Yorkers being very brusque and you know unfriendly but the opposite is true I've just found them to be such a warm welcoming and friendly people they're so helpful yeah is it I'm I would imagine that that's because people are comparing them to like other Americans but like if you're British and have lived in London, like we're not, we don't talk to each other. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) Americans will just strike up a conversation with you. They'll be like, and they're genuinely interested. They'll be like, oh, so what do you do? Where's your family from? What do you like? Oh, why did you move here? And it it kind of, you're taken aback by it. It's like um, when I go back to the countryside when I've been living in London and people say good, like good morning to me. And I'm like, why are you talking to me it's just you're not prepared for that conversation so they're just very friendly here Um, and yeah London you don't make eye contact and you don't talk to people just in case like something bad goes down for some reason but here absolutely fine yeah it's something something I find a bit difficult actually to be honest Uh, like about the culture here like I I'm just like very kind of like passionate and have a lot of opinions and want to tell people about them. <laughs> it's it's not really, it's not really the place to do that. Um, Come over here, like people will engage you in conversation. Like you yeah. can have conversations all day with strangers. <laughs> that sounds really nice. Um, so, have you noticed any? I'm really curious about this, by the way, because I yeah, because I kind of like follow a lot of like American food blogs and food writers and stuff like that. Um, so I was wondering if you've noticed any kind of in- differences in the kind of food cultures. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely for sure. I will say, you know, um, firsthand that, you know, I've been here for 22 months, but I've only really been experiencing it for the past maybe 
two months so i'm just scratching the surface but i mean there are the stereotypes which we all know so the larger portions and like they really weren't joking about the larger portions i you know <laughs> got here arrived here ordered takeout the first night we were here like oh we'll have a bit of everything you know try it all huge like that lasted us like three nights that meal um <laughs> And like, yeah, they really do give you large portions, which I actually enjoy because on the flip side over here, you're allowed to have doggy bags. Yeah. So, you know, you go out to a restaurant, the meal is too big and it's perfectly acceptable for you to go to the um, server and say, oh, do you mind if you plate this up for me, you know, and take it out? And they will come out with like, you know, Tupperware for you. And it's absolutely fine. So I think the idea of like portions being, you know, oh God, it's so big I yeah think, you know because they're allowed doggy bags it's perfectly fine I and feel like, like oh, oh, sorry go on. I feel like because I've li I've lived in like um sort of like Cypriot areas for five six seven years now seven years I think in total mm. so for me that's like yeah like they if I go to like Turkish restaurants they do give you <laughs> huge portions especially mm. if you're eating meat and like there's always like low like everything that goes with it which I love like the salads the breads and all of that and yeah they're quite they're quite okay with you taking it home as well <laughs> but um yeah it's you can't yeah in most places you can't do that um and can I ask if you have you noticed any differences in the food that you can get there seems to be like fruits that are grown over there that aren't grown over here and vice versa oh yeah so like the access to tropical fruits is amazing so they have better mangoes over here so Ooh. like one of my biggest gripes about the uk is their rubbish mangoes so um Ooh. i'm half filipino so i grew up you know going to the philippines having fresh mangoes from the mango tree and obviously there are different types and the type that we have in the uk is just it's terrible i don't know if it's like they import them because they keep better but they are not mm. the sweet mangoes that you get say in india or the philippines or mexico um, and mm. so over here they have that but you know i have access to like rambutans and soursop and guava um mm. custard apples all those sorts of things Ooh. and they sell them in like the local bodegas as well it's not just in you know your fancy supermarkets you go to the local bodega which is kind of um a local corner store and they will have yeah. tropical fruits which you can buy what's so a custard that, that's apple? amazing what's a custard um, apple? you know i have like no idea you can it's kind of got a hard uh greenish shell almost and you cut in mm. and it's almost in segments, but it's kind of custody. Oh, okay. Um, I'm looking at that later. <laughs> I, you know, I've only ever eaten it as like just a fruit, but I imagine there's so many things you could do with that, like in baking. Yeah. Like I can just imagine like actually incorporating it into custard because it has the consistency of it and they're mm. amazing. So good. Uh, but yeah, the availability of food over here, I would say the food is very different in terms of taste mm -hmm. as well so um if you don't know like a lot of sweetener used in america is corn syrup like it's a big mm -hmm. industry like um it's quite political really so like a lot of um farming subsidies are given to farmers who will grow corn to make corn mm -hmm. syrup and 
it's not very good for you but it is high in like sugar it's high in fat it you know it makes things sweeter at a lower cost and the same with like fattening up like livestock as well they'll use corn syrup um so everything's a lot sweeter over here like your cereals for example i just can't imagine feeding like um for example like fruity pebbles or fruit loops to a five-year-old and that setting them up for the day you know because it's just loaded with this corn syrup um, you'd have a real sugar crash yeah mm. <laughs> i've noticed that recipe is sometimes a bit sweeter as well um but it does depend um some of them aren't um is there anything you'd recommend for somebody to try if they were like visiting for a, a week or two this is definitely um, me planning a holiday, by the way. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> so if you're coming to New York, you can't come here without having like pizza. And we're talking like dollar slice, you know. So it seems really strange. Like, oh, yeah, you just get a slice of pizza. These slices are humongous. Like, I don't know if you remember um, Freshers Week at uni. You would get those little mm. personal pizzas from Domino's. And they were like tiny. And like, mm. it's like having two of those mini pizzas, but just in one mm. slice. Um, so dollar slice, my recommendation is vodka sauce um, pizza. So vodka sauce, I, don't, I think we have it sometimes in the UK. It's basically like a marinara sauce, a tomato sauce with like large chunks of tomato in it. And then they mix in vodka and heavy cream. And it mm. creates this kind of like orange kind of sauce. And it's just so good like you can't really taste the vodka it's like you know when you burn off wine in a cooking sauce but it tastes mm. amazing and like it's always laid on like really thick on the pizza so you get like chunks of um tomato there along with you know the stringy mozzarella cheese it mm. it's confirmed all my beliefs about what pizza is like over here because you know yeah. I don't know if you've seen the Goofy movie or like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they have the stringy cheese, like you see mm. in the cartoons. And like, you're just like, why is pizza not like this over in the UK? It's like that over here. It's amazing. The only thing that I would say good. is get it straight from the pizzeria. Like if you're getting it delivered, even if it's like 10 minutes, that 10 minutes in the box is going to yeah. change it. Like straight from the pizzeria. So you get the nice crisp crust underneath. It's amazing. Yeah, nice and hot as well. That's yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. also all the like Jewish comfort foods as well, because you don't really get that over in the UK. You know, like lactkas and mm. bagels and cheesecake and babka. Um, I just can't wait for winter because there's so many like nice Jewish comfort foods to eat to keep you warm and stuff, and like you know, mm. line your stomach. That there's, sounds really good. I've heard yeah. of like I've heard of penne alla vodka, which I think is probably the similar sauce isn't it like yeah exactly yeah, sauce. A bit of pasta. yeah that's really really tasty um it is strange like going out for an italian and then just having completely different italian foods like uh, mm. uh what was it spaghetti alfredo i'm mm. just saying like i'm pretty sure they don't make this in italy like it's all yeah italian american i kind of feel like in i don't know if this is the same in other places in the world because i've never really lived anywhere else but there's a real kind of like purity culture here of like, oh, you can't like do that to pizza. You can't put a pineapple on it. Some, well, you, a lot of people do, but a lot of people are like really anti changing things in any way. And mm. I guess, you know, by virtue of being like made up of a lot of immigrants, things have changed yeah. over time and that's fine. Like you, you, you're allowed to like 
have some traditions and but also adapt them and like I, I just I don't see a problem with it myself because I just feel like that's been happening for hundreds of years people need to just get over it <laughs> oh yeah I mean I think that's uh, the thing with British culture we are very much tied to like tradition this is how it's always been because we have like that history mm-hmm. where it's like oh we've always done it like this whereas yeah in America because you've got all these different diverse immigrant populations coming in you know mm-hmm. you're allowed to play with the food and change things and you know it's American Italian it's American Korean it's American yeah. Chinese um and there's the playfulness obviously sometimes people take it too far so for example mm-hmm. there's like a food festival down the road from me and they do spaghetti donuts which I'm just like I'm all about the playfulness with the food but no like spaghetti donuts are not good so it's just you know uh, <laughs> spaghetti put into like the shape of like a donut mold and you just eat it like a donut and I'm like I but don't what like that it sounds dry more than anything else. Like, I yeah. don't, I'm not a fan of dry food. Well, um, I mean, like, I live in Williamsburg, which is the hipster centre. You know, that's where the rainbow bagel was invented. That's where mm. you get cronuts and stuff. So um, sometimes when they're playful, it's out of mere novelty rather than, like, trying to experiment with food, um, mm. which can sometimes go a bit too far. But, I mean, you know sometimes like you make it big like with the experiments and there's always like something new to try I suppose which can be quite exciting if you if you're that way inclined I think even I think the purity culture thing even extends to like it extends to like European food as well here it's like um oh you can't like we have to have like the purest like Neapolitan pizza and if it's not the way that they would make it in Naples hundreds of years ago, then it's like not good enough. Or like you have to have like the exact same duckle orange that they would make in France 200 years ago. And like, there's, I think there's, I think that's partly the way that other food cultures have influenced us as well, because as much as I love French food um, and Italian food as well, actually, they mm. are very like down the line of like, this is how it's done. You can't change it. Like, the particularly patisserie which obviously I'm interested in as a baker mm. there's, there's, there's just lots and lots of rules <laughs> like um and uh it's it's unthinkable to sort of change them for some French people um but on the other hand the quality of the food is a lot better than ours so there's sort of like definitely upsides to it too yeah um, I suppose it's that it's the French school of cooking that's kind of enforced that you know yeah. they go to school and you know it's very set in how you learn how to cook you start from like the basic sources or you start from mm. like the basic um you know doughs and you don't deviate from that only once you've reached the pinnacle are you allowed mm. to experiment um which i guess for some people that works that is definitely not how i cook like i i don't think i've ever followed a recipe and i don't ever intend to because that just seems <laughs> wildly constraining unless i'm baking mm. baking i follow recipes i don't trust myself um yeah but yeah i mean the french anyway like they had their own um what is it like uh organization to stop the introduction of new words so <laughs> yeah, imagine, yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> i imagine experimenting with food they're also not too happy about yeah there's quite a sort of protectionist attitude yeah to culture it's true mm-hmm. um so that how you talking about recipes kind of leads us in nicely so i was wanted to ask you um how what how and why you first got into cooking 
Okay, so, I mean, I've been cooking since I was a little kid, like toddler age. I think, you know, my mum's Filipino, so cooking is very much a social and communal thing um, mm -hmm. over in the Philippines. You know, I remember being like three, four years old, there would be a party and it would be all the Filipino mums in the kitchen, me sat down at the table and like there's almost like a assembly line of people cooking and making dumplings and lumpia, which are like these Filipino um, egg rolls. Oh, they're so mm. good. Um, very, very tiny. And like just sitting in the kitchen, watching them all cook. And I don't know, cooking to me, I was introduced to it as something that was fun and pleasurable and how you mm. relate to people, how you show love, how you um, just kind of, you know, spend your spare time. So that's mm -hmm. how I got into cooking. And then also on like the uh, English side of my family, like my grandparents, like my grandma is very much into food. Like, you know, she was serving avocados in the 60s, which is kind of unheard of in <laughs> 1960s Devon. Like we were right, you know, yeah. <laughs> with the farmers and stuff. And she was cooking that. And like, they're very much, my family is very much those people who will talk about food but make it into a story, you know? It won't mm. be like, oh, we had a roast for lunch. It'll be, oh, and we had a lovely bit of lamb the other week and we got it from this butcher and he got <laughs> it from this farm. And then we found this lovely homemade, you know, mint sauce that was sourced from this lady's garden. Like there's always a story to it. And mm. I quite like that in the fact that, you know, um, it, there's always something to talk about with food because yeah. everyone eats food usually like it's something that you can talk about um with anyone I don't know maybe it's like as boring as talking about the weather but I find it really interesting um, I, so I would always cook with my grandma mm. um you know cooking the Christmas pudding like six months in advance and stuff and um baking and all those sorts mm. of things I suppose rural Devon, it must, people must be a bit more kind of connected to where the food comes from as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I was always really lucky that my parents always seemed to make friends with the local farmers and fishermen. So it would be, oh yeah, someone's dropping over a whole lamb or someone's mm. dropping over half a pig. And there would be times when <laughs> I'd be like coming home and say like, we've got a front lawn and there's no like... Um, like fence there and I just come home and there's a bucket the bucket's empty but there's just an octopus like crawling <laughs> across the lawn with some crabs and I'm like what and it's like oh yeah so and so dropped that off for us and I was like wait so I have to wrangle an octopus now this is just ridiculous <laughs> um so like there's definitely more food in Devon but I mean yeah. so I grew up next to have you heard of Brixham, like Brixham fish and stuff? Uh, not really, to be honest. Um, so it's what? like a um, very big fishing port and like, mm -hmm. like all the boats go there fishing and stuff like that. Mm. And you'd think we'd have like lots of fish, but I think the thing is a lot of the food that we produce down in Devon is often um, shipped, uh, like exported away, either to like yeah. London restaurants or actually yeah. most of our fish goes to France, which is just very strange. I really? I didn't know that. 
Yeah. I mean, all the fishermen I know hate fish, which I also find really weird. They're just like, nah, I would never eat it. I eat meat. <laughs> like, I catch them all day. I'm not going to eat them. <laughs> just sick of it, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I never got that. I never found that when I was a cheesemonger. I was always happy to eat more cheese, even though I stank of cheese. Um, I'd work oh, a, I'd work like a 12 hour shift and then I'd be like eating some eating some cheese at home like <laughs> just I would love to be a cheesemonger that must have just been a great job uh yeah it, I mean I suppose like any job in the food industry or a lot of jobs in the food industry obviously there there are some well-paid ones but the the pay and conditions weren't great but oh, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't regret doing it at all like and there's so many things that I took from it. Um, and I have just I had just a better knowledge of food and food and drink all round as a result. Um, mm. So, yeah. And particularly it's like a, it's like a really uh, weird uh, kind of like party trick that I can tell people insane amounts of facts about cheese um, to the point where they're like, OK, we get it. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> What's your favourite fact about cheese? I want to know now. Right. Well, the thing, when I started being a cheesemonger, I honestly had barely eaten anything other than like cheddar, brie and um, like maybe Roquefort. Maybe that was it or Stilton. Mm. Um, I barely eaten any other cheeses than that. Like, I guess I I always was, especially as a child, you don't really like strong flavours as much. Um, yeah. So that put me off a bit, but also my family is really health conscious. And in the nineties, like fat was the, the sort of like big bad. Now it's sugar. Um, mm. So we didn't really eat huge amounts of it. Um, so yeah, I wasn't that exposed to it, but like, yeah, I, I kind of just fell in love with the huge variety of cheese um, that's, that's available. Like in, in Europe, also, like, there's a lot of good um, British and Irish cheeses now as well. Like, there was a sort of revival um, in the sort of, like, 90s, I think, of, like, um, of, yeah, of, like, uh, artisan cheese making. So I, I'm i just kind of, like, obsessed with all the different varieties. Like, I love the fact that you can get mixed milk blues, goat's milk blues. Like, it's not just, oh, I've, you have to have, like, all goat's cheese is soft or like you know mm. um all smelly cheese is strong actually like there's just so much variety within that that's what I really love um and yeah I, I guess my favorite cheese fact uh mm, I'm trying to think well a lot of cheese was spread throughout Europe by monks and it's kind of like combines my two obsessions of <laughs> food, and, food and religion um so yeah a lot of like like Christianity is very like tied up with the uh history of like cheese in Europe and mm. lots of new new cheese making was like brought over in in eat back as well back into like the middle ages by um yeah by new like monasteries being set up and stuff oh um, cool I never knew that yeah uh also the uh, the mould that's in Roquefort and loads and loads of other blue cheeses is named after the cheese. It's Penicillin Roqueforti. And the original way that you would get it is by rubbing bread onto the cheese and the spores from the bread were usually this, that particular mould. Um, yeah, so those are some cheese facts. 
And the, 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 the thing that I usually am telling people is how to look after their cheese and when to know when it's gone bad because people will just chuck cheese in the bin because it's out of date. But actually... I thought cheese just keeps though, doesn't it? It depends. Like fresh cheeses don't. They can go off quite quickly. Mm. But you can tell like it's... Some there there are a few cheeses where it's meant to have a grey mold or or a black mold or a, or a brown mold and it's a very specific mm. type of mold that's safe. But usually, as long as the mold is like green or blue or white, you're fine. You can eat it, or you can cut it off if you don't want to eat it. You can scrape it off, but it's safe. And people mm. sort of like chuck cheese in the bin way too much for my liking, um, or they chuck it in the bin because it's they've not been keeping it properly. Um, and therefore it's gone off much more quickly than it needed to and that upsets me because it's a very like costly thing to produce for the both for the environment and also quite expensive to buy so I'm very yes. like I'm very like precious about how we keep it Gemma doesn't usually put the cheese in the fridge I usually do it because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no which section it I normally go it normally goes in the like salad drawer or in the um in the door because they're cooler are uh, they warmer sorry than the rest of the fridge doesn't want to be too, mm. too cold so okay. i'm storing it in the right place then that's good yeah i mean i i think that links back to like poor food education because i just remember doing like food tech and there was no like how long does this keep how long does that keep it's just like oh uncooked eggs are evil never eat your yeah. cake batter um you know don't undercook chicken and there was never like you know how to tell if a chicken is cooked or anything like that or like mm. how long does like meat keep or like how can you tell if milk is off it's just you know check the dates and it's like well yeah. don't really trust them and then you'll go to another country and they'll just be eating like raw meat and you're just like what what is happening <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I think it's really I think we really need to like understand the you know there's basically the science of it as to like why certain things shouldn't be eaten like people know that raw chicken has salmonella but like if you go to japan you can eat rare chicken because the chickens it's not it's not a common disease that the chickens would have yeah. so i'm i kind of yeah I, I kind of like reflecting on stuff like that and like my i think i remember when when my brother like went to france one time on his own my, the rest of my family is annoyingly fluent in french just me mm. that isn't um because we lived in a French-speaking country. And he, like, for his, like, last meal of the place that he was working at, as a real treat, they, like, gave him, like, steak tartare with a raw egg in the middle. And he was just like, Ooh. what the hell is this? This is so disturbing. Uh, so tasty, though. So tasty. I love it. I think he didn't mind it, to be fair, but it was just so, like, alien to him. He was like, yeah. is this going to make me ill? Like, what's happening? I I think that was like the product of the 90s, wasn't it? There was that huge scare about eggs and it's linked to like Edwina curry or something like that. There was a lot of food scare in the 90s, actually, um, wasn't there? Yes, there was yes. eggs and... Yes. So interesting fact, I'm not allowed to give any blood over here or like mm. organ donation because of... Um, what, what's it called again? Because obviously mad cow disease, like not uh, the right term. BSC, I don't know what BSC stands for, though, don't ask me. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I like, anyone who was, like, who has lived in the UK for more than six months or was born between, I think it's, like, 1980 to 2005, can't give blood mm. because of it. It's wow. really strange. 
um, because actually you think that America would have really good um, beef. It doesn't. Mm. It's terrible. Um, mm. I've tried it. Um, it's just, it's very different over here. Their meat over here, like I, I could go vegetarian over here because I'm just not keen on it, the way they serve it and the supermarket packets. I mean, I know there's been lots of news stories about chlorinated chicken and all those sorts of things. And yeah, they're kind of right. The meat over here isn't that nice. <laughs> mm. Is it kind of like, I suppose it, there's a lot of, there's some use of this here, so I'm not kind of like hating on America at all, but I would imagine that there's like a lot of use of like hormones. You mentioned like feeding cows, like corn syrup and stuff like that. So I suppose there just must be, it's just yeah it's sort of like cap very capitalistic i guess, I guess. um and yeah all about production producing the, the kind of greatest amount or whatever yeah and i think that also even more so than um the uk worried about food safety which almost seems strange with what they do but i mean if you're that worried about food and you're washing a chicken in chlorine or for example so obviously we give our hens antibiotics um, to stop salmonella they don't do that over here so what they yeah. do is like thoroughly wash the egg um, right. so you have yeah so you have to keep eggs in the fridge over here mm. um, and even with like the meat um, so you know like in the UK the main thing is like oh it's dry aged um, steak for example mm. over here that's seen as like oh that's weird like you would want everything to be incredibly fresh um, yeah. And like a, a weird byproduct of that is, I mean, if you're vegetarian or vegan, like I wouldn't listen to this, like just for a second, like <laughs> the meat is very, very wet. Like you take it out and the chicken is like dripping. And I'm just like, oh, like why is everything covered in mucus? And like I talked to someone, they were like, oh yeah, that means it's like super fresh. And I was like, that would definitely not mean it's fresh in the UK. Like that's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a, thing of like why some people cut like wash their meat which unfortunately is quite dangerous because it means you can like spread salmonella around your kitchen and stuff but or that other. is exactly why i had salmonella in the philippines terrible washing really? chicken yeah <laughs> but at the same time like when you're if you're like meat is dripping in mucus like i can see why you would <laughs> mm, yeah <laughs> especially if you're not used to that um um so uh, what I was going to ask next is you, so I've, you've kind of like um, been posting a lot of really delicious looking things on Instagram. Um, so can you tell people what your handle is so they can follow you? <laughs> oh, I can't even remember. It's a uh, Zaf NYC. So Z-A-F-N-Y-C. Great. Thank um, you. And yeah. um, can I ask you like, so you said that you don't follow recipes. Um hmm. So uh, this is, I'm really sorry, this is slightly veering off the questions that I sent you, but what, where, like, how do you decide what you're going to cook? Is it that, do you get like inspiration from different places? Do you, are you like riffing as you go along? Because I'm a bit of a recipe follower, which is probably why I'm a baker, to be honest. Um, so I'm really curious as to what your kind of process is. Um, so I'm really lucky in the fact that I mainly just cook for myself so and also you know like I'm very privileged so I can just like pop to the shop and get whatever I want so it's genuinely like I'll be watching a program and you know someone's eating spaghetti carbonara and I'm like 
oh okay I'll have spaghetti carbonara for tea you know mm. um so that's how like I choose what I'm going to make I am not one to plan meals I've never done this like weekly planning I definitely see how it helps people especially if they're cooking for more than one person um mm. but no it is, it is just whatever it takes my fancy but again that comes from a position of privilege being able to like afford the food and also I live right next door to a supermarket so I can just pop down there and like get the ingredients but um when it comes to actually you know uh cooking for food photography then I will plan it out and I'll think about like oh like that will look nice to photograph and stuff so like um uh, shepherd's pie for example I really love shepherd's pie that's hard to photograph and make it look pretty. <laughs> so I usually choose things that I'm like, oh, okay, I know this dish has a wide range of colors. I'm going to choose that one to photograph yeah. and cook. I, um, I love Stephens Pie, but it is slop basically, isn't it? At the end of the day, <laughs> like it's- Yeah, uh, it's like, how do you present this? It's like, I'm supposed to be cooking British um, dishes for my American friends. And they look at them and it's like, I don't really know how I can elevate this. And also I don't <laughs> want to elevate it because it's shepherd's pie. This is supposed to be stodge. I think I just have to wait till winter when they're really craving, mm. you know, meats and potatoes and flaky pastry. Yeah, that's where I think British food is like, it's pies and puddings. It's like steamed puddings, the best of it anyway, of traditional British food for me is like steamed puddings and sorry loads of different types of pie whether it's involving pastry or mashed potato or whatever like those are my those are my probably my favorite like comfort food things um no, exactly I, I love steamed puddings I don't know if it's because you know I don't get them very often because it seems to be like a a lost art like I don't mm. think any of like my mum's generation I mean my mum doesn't really know how to do steamed puddings because it's not a Filipino thing Mm. um but I don't really know anyone of that generation who does steam puddings but grandparents you know mm. um, when they make like even just the jam one the treacle one or my favorite is spotted dick like you can't oh. beat that but it's a lot of work just to sit there and like have it boiling and then you've got to have those little kind of like ceramic dishes and I tried to find them over here because I wanted to try and do a steamed um Christmas pudding but um, mm. I couldn't find the right, um, I can't remember what they're called, but you know, you have to like wrap them up in like proper yeah. things. So I, yeah. you can use Pyrex by the way, cause I did, I made a steamed pudding at Christmas. We made it, mm. I made a, cho a chocolate marmalade pudding, which was really good. Ooh, um, lovely. It, yeah, it's a process. It's like, it's not hard, but it like takes hours um, to do mm. it in the traditional way. There are like, ways that you can kind of like do it in a microwave cheaty methods that still produce good results um oh, okay that's what my mum used to do because my mum's I'm really lucky that um my mum's a food technologist so um she's like a really good cook so I was really like lucky growing up with that with uh, a food technologist mum um yeah. so that's what we used to have is like things that she'd thrown in the microwave because she was working full-time and had three kids um she couldn't stand over a stove for two hours um, I mean there are some amazing microwave cookery books from the 80s when everyone thought that microwave was the way forward in cooking like yeah. lobster thermidor and stuff wild things cooked in the microwave and also just 
Oh, I've I've seen some of the recipe books from that my grandparents and mum had in the seventies. Just so many things they decided to put into jelly. I just, it's yes, really alarming. Aspic. Mm. Just, I, I I actually uh, follow a um, what was it a, a, a Facebook group that is just all aspic picks. I'll, I'll send you a link. It's very good and very entertaining because I mean, yeah. Um, that's a big thing over here as well, especially in the Midwest, just um, oh. collections of what they call quote unquote salads, where it's just like, <laughs> yes, we, we've grated carrots and celery and we've put in mayonnaise and like heavy cream and mixed it with uh, like beef stock and jello. And I'm like, mm. okay, I'm like, I, it definitely makes sense. I think the food history is fascinating behind that, like trying to make things last longer and also if you're coating things in that jello it's gonna stop it oxidizing and like you know spoiling yeah quickly it's fascinating like the food history behind it but would i want to eat it at a restaurant no yeah exactly there's is an interesting like kind of north and central european influence in midwestern cooking isn't there that um i, I quite like a lot of the the kind of like baking styles from there um there's mm. a there's a food writer called Shauna Seaver who wrote who wrote a book called Midwest Made that I've got it's just a lot of like hearty stuff which just really appeals to me <laughs> like huge oh, quantities of like of uh, things that you can throw together really quickly as well yeah because um, it's like a, a big like German community and mm. like Eastern European over there even actually Cornish as well there's towns which serve Cornish pasties because they brought in Cornish miners over Ooh. here to do the mining in like Pennsylvania it's so it's strange that's I, I didn't know that that's really cool mm. I love a pasty um <laughs> so yeah you, you you uh have a really fab inspiring Instagram account and I want wanted to know like what tips you might have or how you make food look so good okay so the main thing about the Instagram account is um all the photos are staged. It's definitely not like me cooking and for dinner and then eating them. Because I think mm. I used to worry about that when I used to look at Instagram and people would take photos of their dinner. And it's not their dinner. Like, you know, they've been working to like plate it. And like by the time you take a picture, everything's cold. Um, mm. So like all those photos are staged. But, you know, mm. the main thing is when you're like plating is like odd numbers. Always do odd numbers because it just looks much better um making sure you build height when you're mm. like you know creating a dish so it creates depth like I'm always like putting things at jaunty angles like leaning on other things mm. um and then placing food I used to think that like I could just you know shovel up some food put it on a plate and it's done but now I realize you know people are there with like um chopsticks and like tweezers placing like small peas in the right place and I thought that was like a little bit much but no like I'll be there like moving it around with my chopsticks like oh this carrot can go there oh no you know it doesn't look good there let's put it over there so like taking your time with that and I mean the main thing I do is garnish um it's a bit of a cheat um mm. but garnishing just kind of adds it and even garnishing what I mean garnishing like putting pepper over something so like cracked pepper that looks mm. nice over things or like drizzles of um balsamic vinegar 
oil mm-hmm. is my friend always putting oil and honey over salads to create that luscious kind of like um unctuous kind of like look of salads to be glistening mm-hmm. um and then i mean i use a app to make my food look better like i do increase like the colors and mm-hmm. most food instagrammers and food photography people will do that i never really realized i thought everything was like oh yeah they just take a picture and it looks perfect but so i use a jb lightroom mm-hmm. um, and that's really simple like you can just change the color balance and the exposure and i use a tripod so i don't have to like mm-hmm. you know steady my hand and that's kind of what i've been doing and just watching lots of youtube videos of um how to take food photography and that's how it mm-hmm. looks good it's <laughs> it's not organic at all um it's like you know when you see those videos on facebook like oh how do they make pizza or burgers look so tasty in commercials and like people are like covering coffee grounds on burger patties or something like Ooh. yeah i try I, I don't do anything like that like all the food is edible but i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. just about enhancing what you've already got i suppose rather than faking mm. stuff yeah, yeah definitely that's um, some re- and- really useful advice my food photography is awful anything that looks nice that i that i've ever posted is stuff that Gemma's taken photos of <laughs> so- i mean everything you've taken photos of i want to eat and i'm just saying like, oh my god that looks so good i'm just there with a cup of tea like why do i not have that pie in my hand right now <laughs> oh thank you um i try i'm i'm trying i'm you know i think i think it we should like make it acceptable to like mess up a lot more like i i made a lemon rang pie yesterday and like the Mm. sog the pastry is the soggiest pastry i've ever seen in my life um so but i just feel like i'm gonna learn from that and then next time it won't be (laughs) but i just it's uh it's always i'm always learning Um, i mean like I think like baking is like sorcery to me. No, not sorcery. Um, like that's a scientific art to me, baking. Mm. I can't do it. I don't have the knack for it. Um, mm. Like it's just, it's a lot to take in and a lot to like, you know, having to re- remember all those different textures and when to stop kneading and all those things. Like there's not much room for error. So I think yeah. it's like amazing that you can even make pastry because <laughs> I'm there. I'm like, oh, my God, shoe buns. That's like so hard. Oh, it's genuinely like genuinely not like honestly. But I, I was just following a really good recipe and like mm. and sort of, like following it to the T, which doesn't appeal to everybody because it's it's um it's yeah, it's kind of precise, I guess. Um, But most to be honest, a lot of it is just I've realized over the years a lot of baking is just about um surface area uh fat mm. content water content and it's like if you mess up one of those things i suppose ra- raising agents as well um but if you, it's like those are the kind of key things that i'm always thinking about so it's like mm. if i change to a bigger dish right do i need to reduce the temperature how much do i need to reduce the baking time blah 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 or I'm thinking, um, if I take this fat out, then I have to add another fat in. That kind of thing. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's a kind of kind of thing where once you've learned the reasons why, it just becomes so much easier. 
Yeah, um, I mean, there's so many critical thinking skills in cooking. Like, I remember when I was first dating my partner and they would cook and they would just turn up the heat to full blast on a stew because they were like, oh, well, if it's hotter, it will cook quicker and then we can eat sooner. And I'm like, hmm, you've got to think about how that affects the ingredients. <laughs> and it's like the same when you were talking about surface area, like if you're using a different size tin to what the recipe calls for, yeah, you have to take that into account. But like, mm -hmm. it's not something you really think about um, if you haven't practiced a lot. Yeah, you just end up, otherwise you just end up with a cake that's burnt on the outside and raw in the middle, which is still something um, I sometimes do occasionally because I've... I mean yeah raw cake is still amazing <laughs> yeah you I'll know what? That. <laughs> I quite like raw I quite like undercooked cake to be honest it's yeah. just it's especially if it's chocolate it's just like having a brownie really so yeah I, I put it on ice cream it's amazing Ooh, that's mm -hmm. um so I forgot to ask earlier is there anything that you miss about food in the in Britain Oh, so much, so much. Um, fish and chips being one of them. They don't do fish and chips here, or if they do, it's terrible. Um, so I want that. I want a pickled egg. I want a pickled onion. I want curry sauce and mushy peas and maybe a bad mm. sausage. Um, me weird things that I miss: meal deals. Like I just, I just want to get a prawn sandwich and a cheese, <laughs> packet of cheese and onion crisps and an iron brew. Is it too much to ask? You know. Oh dear, um, can't relate. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't yeah. like meal deals. No, but I do. I would imagine it's like it's like a comforting thing. It's like you yeah. can go. You know that you can get like a cheapish meal, like at lunchtime. As long as you've got like a high street near you, you can go to like Boots or Greg's or some or like Tesco or whatever. Mm. And also, yeah, I yeah, I'd miss, I definitely miss like miss things, certain things you get in meal deals. Um, definitely, I would definitely miss Iron Brew, Ribena, um, crisps, uh, like Walker's crisps, which I presume. Oh, you can't yeah. So oh, I, we have yeah. Lay's, but they don't do cheese and onion, which is terrible. Outrageous. Mm. can you get salt and vinegar that's my fave yeah you can get salt and vinegar but it's kind of because again I live in Williamsburg it's all like you know uh red wine vinegar with Himalayan pink salt and it's just like no nah, I just want salt and vinegar please yeah I want citric acid on my mm. <laughs> exactly I want those ones um the chip sticks oh yeah yeah <laughs> things that make you wince mm. um and is there anything else that you miss um like pasties and pastries and I think the big thing here is like the difference in what's available in the supermarkets mm. so you know how like you can go into any supermarkets whether it be Aldi, Iceland, Waitrose, M&S and you can kind of get loads of those like picky bits for like hosting like people over so like you mm. know mini kebabs or like stuffed mushrooms and all those sorts of things or like brie yeah. wrapped in phyllo you can't get that over here. It's all just like, um, I don't know, really stodgy kind of food that you would imagine like guys what like eat at a football game. People, so, like, I miss people, that. People talk about pizza rolls a lot, like in TV shows. And I'm like, what? what is this? It sounds as though it's just stodge really, but yeah, the, that. the concept is good. The concept is good. The execution <laughs> is terrible. Um, 
they're like <laughs> doughy pizza bites and they're supposed to be like sauce and cheese and maybe some pepperoni in there there's never any sauce in there there's never any cheese in there um and what is in there scolds your mouth i mean <laughs> i will warn you one thing that you should try but is absolutely terrible over here and i think it's like just i don't know an insult to food really corn dogs oh, okay um, i yeah yeah terrible um it's i think i might have tried them. Oh, okay yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like why would you dip a sausage in cake batter because the batter <laughs> i thought it would, i thought it would be like a battered sausage like nice and crispy no it's just cake batter and it's, it's like sweet oh okay no mm. i haven't had one i don't think so it's like doughy and soft and sweet maybe on the outside that's... Yeah, it's almost like a muffin texture on the outside. Oh, and wow. sometimes they even put little chocolate chips in there. And I'm like, I don't understand oh. this. Oh, oh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it took a turn. <laughs> What's not yeah. And it always looks so tasty when I saw it in the Princess Diaries. I was like, yeah, I, I would try that. Nope, never I, again. Yeah, I thought it was like a crispy thing, like a crispy crunchy. Uh, yeah. but like a would... battered sausage. Yeah, yeah. No. But no. Oh well. Yeah, I think when I've been I've been to um North America a couple of times, I've actually got like some family in in, in Canada in Quebec. Mm. Um so yeah, I've been I went with my family and then I also went um on a trip to like New York and Washington DC uh when I was like in my late teens. Um so I've tried some things but I've, yeah, I wasn't really there for long enough to like fully experience and things and wasn't necessarily, I think I wasn't in control of the like um, itinerary. So like if I went back now, I would just be eating pretty much. Uh, that would yeah. be the main, the main mission of the trip. Well, um, if you ever need a buddy to go and <laughs> like try out all the restaurants, I am always up for it. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, yeah, that that sounds really good. I'll have to try start saving up now. I think. Um, so, uh, final question: mm -hmm. um, What are your favourite bakes or sweets? And this can be from any culture. So I don't know how. I don't know if there's much Filipino baking to be honest. But uh, favourite bakes and sweets, any culture it could be. Um, mm. yeah. I would say have to be the top like god tier level of sweet treats is baklava for me just uh -huh. you know full of pistachios or walnuts covered in honey crunchy mm -hmm. all the different layers and like just eating that with like a turkish coffee mm. perfection like that's what i used to like because obviously i worked over in um hackney um, yeah. when we were working for the same company like so many lovely turkish cafes there serving amazing mm -hmm. baklava and I would say that's like my top. And then after that, you know, Bakewell tarts, you can't mm. eat it. I love some almonds in there. And even like um, the cherry Bakewells from Mr. Kipling, I'll take that as well. Fruit tart, yeah. hot, cr hot crust buns. I haven't had a hot crust bun in two years. Oh um, no. <laughs> that with lashings of butter, I need it in my life. And then steamed yeah. puddings, like you said. Um, and I think especially with sweet things, I actually prefer not making them because I like it when other people make it for me because it's like, 
I don't know. It's like when someone makes you a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. It tastes nicer, like mm. being made by someone else and someone else put that love into it. I like that. Yeah, I agree. And even though I'm I'm kind of like I don't think I'm that good to be honest, but I'm 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 I've got some baking knowledge, I guess. Sometimes people are like, "Oh, I don't want to give like give I don't want to make you a cake or whatever." And I'm just like I enjoy baked goods of all kinds. <laughs> like, please, yeah, I want to eat a cake. Like, please make me cake. Um, and it's not just about the cake; it's about like sharing and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There, there's other aspects to food that's not just like eating it. It's like, yeah. I don't know, a language in itself. Yeah, completely. By the way, have you tried kunafa? I'm probably Ooh, not. No. What is it? Okay. All right. When you're back in London, one time. All right. Mm-hmm. We. If you if you're up for it, we should go around the um, we should go around like the Green Lane Cypriot uh, places because so Kanafa is a this is my favourite like um, kind of like Levantine sweet thing. Um, mm. You can get it you can get it all over. You can get it in like Lebanon and Palestine as well as um, Turkey and uh, Cyprus and stuff. Mm. Um, but it's it's basically it's like a sheep cheese on the inside usually that mm. but it's like slightly sheep's cheese is naturally slightly sweeter than cows or, or anyway um and it's like a fresh sweet uh, sheep's cheese and then it's got on it over it um i can't remember what it's called but it's a very like thin pastry that's um in little shards oh the name is escaping me but anyway it's and then it's like deep fried obviously oh my gosh <laughs> so it's yes. like it's like this like sweet, crispy, like creamy cheese filled thing. And then obviously, because this is the law, you then have to soak it in like um, rose water syrup. And then you have to have pistachios on it, of course. Mm. Um, And also they serve it with something that I don't know what it's called, but it's basically like, it's basically buttered cream, um, which I imagine as somebody from Devon, you are on board with. Mm. So oh, yeah. yeah, I'm always up for clotted cream, but that sounds amazing. I'm yeah. so glad I've grown into liking rose like taste as like uh, uh taste. Like, you know, you try Turkish um delight when you're like five and you're like, what is this? It's Why right. does it taste yeah. so and now I'm like, ooh, lovely. I l- yeah, I've recently realized that I like it, which is which is which is good. <laughs> mm. Open open my doors to more things. Um Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it and taking the time. Thank you for letting me talk about food, my favourite topic. And um, yeah, and follow her on Instagram, ZafNYC. Um, and let me know what you think of the episode. It's, be, it's just been delightful. Um, so yeah, thanks again. And have thank a nice you. what afternoon it is for you. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. have a lovely week and hopefully see you soon if I come back to London. Yeah. All right. Take okay. care. Take bye. care. Bye. Bye.